welcome to this very special Myth 2019 program launch episode of Cultural Capital. My name is Andy Hazel. I'm Eloise Ross. And I'm Anders Furs. And we're here to help you through this crazy um, melange of films that Mifid decided to present with us via their new artistic director, Al Cossa. Eloise has just gotten off the plane from Italy, is that right? Oh, Italy, uh, London, Paris. And by just, Andy does in fact mean just. I arrived less than three hours ago into Melbourne and I'm kind of crazy right now. Yeah. I didn't go to the launch, but I have the program here full of goodies. Yes. So, mm. But also Eloise is remarkably smart about these sorts of things and in an ultra vulnerable state. So we may get some extra truths, layers of, <laughs> <laughs> of um, yeah, you might. being washed away you might. by the jet lag. Well, I did. I mean, you know how you're supposed to watch like shitty stuff on the plane? I watched the... Spencer Tracy, Father of the Bride. And then I watched Have and Have Not <laughs> because I just wanted something nice and beautiful and that is very much so. And I watched the Jane Fonda in Five Acts documentary. So, And did you cry? Because this is a thing that happens on planes. I cried so much. In fact, yeah. on the way to Italy, I watched the Joy Luck Club, which I'd never seen. And I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's no. so... Terrible. It is so bad. The acting's bad. The script is bad. The emotional, like, you know, moments are all terrible. It's an awful film. And I was sitting there like, oh, my God, this is boring. Can it just finish so I can watch Crazy Rich Asians already? And then at the end, in the last scene, this woman is reunited with her long-lost half-sisters <laughs> on, like, I don't know, the dock in Shanghai. And I started bawling <laughs> in the last two minutes of this film that I'd spent two hours hating because of fucking altitude anyway. That's beautiful. I love Isn't that. Isn't it beautiful and yeah. also embarrassing? <laughs> it's the power of film. <laughs> Yes, and speaking of the power of film, there is going to be so many different variations of the power of film at this year's Myth. First of all, <laughs> I guess before we get too far into it, it's a different architecture to the festival this year. Previous years have had just a few cinemas. We've had Acme. We've had places that just aren't going to be available this year. And now we've got literally 20 different venues according to the program. Literally 20? Literally 20 wow. venues that range from the Wheeler Centre to the restaurant called Supernormal to a place called the Plenary inside the Melbourne Exhibition Centre. And a Sofitel Auditorium. Which people, Who's he, What's it? Yes. So a lot of this would be motivated, I'm assuming, by the fact that Acme's two cinemas have gone into hiatus for a couple of years while they renovate? Yes, that's right. Well, slightly. However, um, Acme is has a, a agreement with the Capitol and also Treasury Theatre that are – I mean, the Capitol is a bigger cinema than Cinema 2 at Acme and Treasury is smaller or perhaps on par with Cinema 1. So in that regard, they haven't lost yeah, right. that many seats. But I also the plenary think. is massive. Mm, <laughs> and like – 1,200 seats or something, I seem to remember. Yes, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's good what they've got that for opening night, right? Yes, and the place in, in the Sofitel is called Smoka, so we better get used to that, S-M-O-C-A. Smoka at the Sofitel, which is, what, the up near Kino? Yes, Sofitel I mean, Melbourne on Collins right? Auditorium. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah. Cinema Nova. It's, that's convenient, yes. Branching People, down to Astor again. Yep. Um, North Melbourne Arts House. It's old meat market. Yep. Some place called Grand Street Theatre, which I think is part of in South Bank, which is part of VCA maybe. Yeah, I would guess that's part of the VCA. Looks in that area, according yeah. to the map anyway. So people better get used to, as Al Kassar was saying at the launch this evening, like working out times, time travel times between cinemas. is not You can't rush down to a great union from the comedy theatre to, then to Acme anymore. So there's a different sort of planning that's going to go into this year's program. We'll All right. To- 
PMP spreading. Oh, it's true. It's no longer there. We'll need to figure out some new snacks that we can get on the way from cinema to cinema. Good call. Okay, Mm. let's say something else. We may well uh, furnish uh, listeners with (laughs) tweets later on. And uh, before I forget, we have passes to Apollo 11 to give away. So please, yes. So so we have 10 double passes to the documentary Apollo 11. Um, Before I forget, yes. Okay, so write in, text us, tweet us, whatever. Let us know and we'll give you a double pass if there's any left. Great. Start your myth early. But judging by that look on your face, hello, yes, I can put one aside for you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what face I was making. Is that an IMAX film or am I making that That is an IMAX film and these are not passes to IMAX. Okay, I'm sorry I said that. (laughs) Anyway, moving on to this kid's myth program. Yes. Andy, it's a new era. We've got Al Kosar as the new artistic director taking over from Michelle Carey. Claire Dobbin's still the chair of the board. She's still there. <laughs> Lots of stability and change. Yep. What are you thinking about the program? First glance, first looks, first opinions. Okay. Give me, hit me with those hot takes. Sure Come thing. On. Okay, so first of all, I was going into this with fairly lowered expectations because Sydney Film Festival kicked it out of the park this year. There was loads of Cannes movies. They had director Bong as a special guest. The previous year, Adelaide had absolutely was blinding people with pulling out the Nightingale with all these films That's that we true. haven't even got to see. There was, the bar was so high going into this year's myth. So, and of course, with change of personnel from Michelle to Al, everyone's like, what's it going to be? And all we knew going into this was that we had um, Maya Duren's like, short experimental films with the live score from Thurston Moore and Sampa the Great being, uh, playing, providing a score for Celine Shama's Girlhood. Opening night movie is going to be the Adam Goods documentary. And this is uh, not the Goods documentary that played at Sydney Film Festival. No. There's another one. Yes. Just to so clarify. I didn't know this. Yes. So there's so two. There's two. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is the world premiere of this second one, which I believe is written by Stan Grant. Correct. Um, it's called The Australian Dream. It's called The Australian Dream. Yep. Um, and initial reports are it's extremely good. Although pitching a documentary going into a opening night seems risky. The last time that happened, Sicko didn't exactly knock out of the park. Oh, but in, I quite, I was I mean, quite it, fond it was of Sicko. Fine, but yeah, but is the, that a Michael Moore film? Yes, it is. Okay. But the vibe of opening night is usually like I've had three like Grey Gooses, although this year... This year, Grey Goose has stepped away <laughs> from the sponsorship And we now have Shandon. We now have Shandon, okay, so who originated in France but created in Victoria. Good to know. Okay, so people are going to be goes. possibly even more under the influence going into this documentary to sit down and watch it. Possibly is there going to be a Shandon Lefiz? These are the questions that we're going to answer and if you remind us on Twitter. Um, but hey, Sorry, to answer your question, going yeah, so first impressions are I was expecting more breadth than depth, to be honest. I was expecting there to be, okay, you're not going to be able to Get, like do a better job than Sif yep. of getting these high, you know, this usually this is what Miff is, re- is best at. But there is, there was a lot of really great stuff here. I was really quite surprised, to be honest, because I was expecting there to be more films but not necessarily better films. But no, there is really, really good stuff that's definitely worth investigating. Including a record-breaking, I, I, look, um, I'm going from memory here, but 44 films direct from Cannes, I Yeah, think. That, well, that's right. And I was not Sorry even aware there were that many films at Cannes. Um, no. Think, <laughs> what have you got, like 68 different countries represented, 74 languages or something like that? Anyway. It was so it's another sprawling, huge program. Yes. Eloise. Here we are. Are you excited? I'm so excited um, that I don't know what to say. The <laughs> first thing that I've circled in the program is... This film that doesn't sound like I'm really excited, Les Miserables, which is something that I've heard about because obviously it's got the same name as that fantastic musical. You may um, have heard me talk about it on a previous yes, episode of Culture Capital. Yes, that's true because you saw it at Cannes, yeah. right? And I have seen other people kind of like comment and I'm very keen. Uh, the picture in the program is this huge crowd writing, I think, in front of the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. Um, I mean, what's not to love about just this little image in the program already? Um 
brutal social realism and moments of electric melodrama, says the program. I mean, that sounds right up my alley. Cool. And can jury prize winning film. Yeah. And deservedly so. There are a lot of people expecting that to take the palm door because it was, it felt so exciting and revolutionary. And so for a first time filmmaker, feature filmmaker, it was like, boy, can this person make films? Cool. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, the first thing uh, I have circled is literally the first film (laughs) in the program, in the headliner section, Young Ahmed, which is a new film from the Darden brothers, who I think are quite exceptional humanist filmmakers. I love their filmmaking. So I'm very excited to see this film. It got good uh, reception at Cannes. In fact, they yeah. won Best Director. Yeah, they did. Surprisingly, everyone yeah. thought Almodovar was going to get that. Yes. So he'd never won it before. But uh, you're also going to love another film here, here at MIF, which is the Ken Loach movie, Sorry We Missed You, mm. because that talk about humanist filmmaking. Similar event. Similar event. Yes, that's also highly recommended. And his last film, I, Daniel Blake, was my favourite film of the year, a couple of years ago. Yes. And this very much this particular version of... Uh, English realism is about the gig economy, essentially. Yeah. Right. Um, and zero hours contracts and the effect Sounds that Sounds depressing. Has. It is. But it's also brilliantly acted by a bunch of fairly unknown actors and it's just so much Brexit heart. Britain. Brexit Do we get Britain. a bit of Brexit we, going on? The word is never mentioned, but it doesn't need to be mentioned because it's there in every frame. Okay. It's one of those sorts of films. <laughs> it's it's yeah. a film haunted by Brexit. Well, I mean, this was an interesting point that Alcosar made um, in his little speech. He said, not Brexit, but he did say... What, I'm paraphrasing here. It's like, what are you going to do when the world's on fire? Which is the name of the film, Which is yes. the name of a fi- Oh, right. There you go. I see what he was doing there. Uh, but he was like, this question has guided my programming. So it is a very interesting, I don't know, interesting time for movies, interesting time for life, interesting time for the planet. You know, there's a lot going on yep. in like, the do, world. It's yeah, like, do you go for, do we go for all of these hard realism films or... Um, is this going to be, you know, a new emergence of escapism and and mm. things? And obviously, I mean, I think we can see in this program there's a blend of the two, mm. which reflects the world of cinema right now because there are both things going on. Speaking of escapism, I love escaping into Xavier Dolan's <laughs> melodrama <laughs> and his latest film, which has received very mixed reviews, Matthias and Maxime is screening. So I'm excited about that, particularly because his last film, the one that he cut, Jessica Chastain from, controversially, uh, that has just not gone fizzled anywhere. and died. Yeah, I the didn't life even. And yeah, death of John F. Donovan that's has true. Just disappeared, but we're getting the film he made after that, so that's interesting. Mm. Um, yes. Which was seen as the whole prodigal son returning to Cannes, the place that banished him, apparently. Which oh no, there's seems to be a lot of like melody. There's layers of melodrama. There's so much drama. I mean, this is just bad, but but he literally was. Instagram, like social media friends with Jessica Chastain for so long. Like he flaunted their new friendship. They both flaunted their friendship. They went to the Met Gala together. They posted selfies of each other. And then one day out of the blue, he goes, oh, sorry, I've actually cut Jessica Chastain for my movie. It was a very awkward moment for all involved. Right. Anyway, well, we haven't even seen the film. No. Uh, so, uh, Matthias and Maxime, other great headliners films that are exciting me are the Almodovar, mm, uh, Pain, and, Pain Glory. and Glory, yes. which screened to rapturous reception at Sydney. Yes, and can. Yes. And can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Great stuff. Really, really, really interesting film. I think anybody who has seen any of his films before knows what to expect. There's going to be glossy textures. There's going to be like plush colours. There's going to be some melodrama. There's going to be a lot of women who are given time to share their thoughts and to be able to contribute to the whole overall drama in really, really interesting ways. It's a fantastic film. Is this Finley Vale biography? Is Very, it's so thin. Okay. You, 
can you can um, purchase next week's Saturday paper and read my interview with Antonio Banderas in which he talks about how literally on set he forgot that he wasn't in Almodovar's apartment because it is so exactly rendered. Oh my he was God. Like, I actually went out to catch the elevator out before realising it was fake. <laughs> Antonio Banderas was just fanboying over Barbara Streisand at Hyde Park. I think he was there and then he did some like tweets about how great she is. Anyway, just... <laughs> To um, bring Barbara into it, and you were there too, Eloise. I was there. It was I was literally like writhing on the grass, screaming because I was so <laughs> amazed by the whole thing. Um, and those of us who love Babs will love the fact that Adrian Wooten is that his name? Adrian Wooten is giving a guest lecture on. Babs as diva and activist as part of correct his diva and activist lecture series on musical. It's true. Characters. We could go to that, or you could just come to hang out with Anders ah. and me. Yeah, <laughs> we and we'll, we'll put on the way we were. <laughs> we'll all have a little cry. It'll be beautiful. Yes, yeah, so you can you can be the diva and you can be the activist. Okay, <laughs> sort of. okay so listeners. Okay, so we're going to be able to like take you through first of all the things that are standing out to us as highlights. Okay. So this, um, so obviously MIF is divided into a whole bunch of different programs from international, from Australian for, to the profiles. They're focusing on a couple of filmmakers this year. And Ello, I'm keen to know what stands out for you. What else have you circled? Well, I am looking forward to Baccarat, directed by Clevo Mendoza Filho and uh, Giuliano Dornelles. Giuliano Dornelles is not a filmmaker I'm familiar with, but... Philho obviously is the director of Aquarius, a film that we, I think, yes, um, loved. Fabulous film. He's got a follow up here. A follow up here. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, and he also made one of my favourite films of recent years that screened at MIF, Neighbouring Sounds, which was his feature debut. Although he'd made a couple of shorts before that that I hadn't seen, but that film just kind of blew me away in so many ways. And it's, I mean, it's. Very different to Aquarius, but in some ways it's, you know, touches on some of the same um, kind of rhythmic beats and aesthetic approaches and constructions and like attention to detail in terms of like um, suburbia and soundscapes. And so I'm really, really keen for Baccarat because he was, you know, got into all of this political trouble um, in Brazil I mm. think and particular. well, yeah, when they were in Canada, they were protesting, yeah. holding up signs that caused all sorts of trouble. Yeah, 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 and they didn't get nominated for you know an Oscar for best foreign film, probably because of all yeah of not being submitted by the yeah. yeah of course, not, it was yeah. very messy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'm very keen to see what he has come up with. Yes, this time, and it's so it's in a small Brazilian town of Bacurau, um, which is going to be quite different, I think, to his previous two features, which were in small little areas of quite large cities in Brazil, I think. Um, and who knows? Oh, it's about water supply again. So it looks like it's kind of maybe has some kind of strange, absurd approach to things, but also it's dealing with very real and kind of emer- like emergency type issues. Mm, it's a fascinating mix of things, yeah. mix, mix of genres. I know some of our listeners who have already seen it at SIF quite okay. liked it too. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, it was definitely a standout at Cannes for me, just for being so wild, just so unpredictable mm. and such a, yeah, bizarre mix of tones, but so skillfully put together and similar like roles for like older women as matriarchs and people who call the shots. It's a great film. So good. <laughs> definitely worth ch- checking out. Fantastic. Anders? Yes. Um, well, from the headliners, I'm very keen to see Chris Morris's new film. Yes. <laughs> the Day Shall Come. Now, was um, he? he's a uh, guy from those comedy, those British satires from a thousand years ago. 
Yes, he yeah yeah. yeah. And then he, he sort of yeah, became Brass a Eye. He was famous yeah, for Brass Eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the day to day, and then he made Four Lions. As and his, yeah, which, and then he sort of disappeared for a long time. And then he directed uh, Four Lions. It's great um, satire. Anyway, he's back with The Day Shall Come, mm. uh, which has got getting a few different um, screenings, including at Smocker. Great. Uh, I'm also keen to see The Nightingale, even though it does mm. get a, I think, Australian release very shortly after Myth. So I may wait until then. I'm not sure. but um, I'm super keen for We've just been waiting for this film Jennifer for so Kent's Babadook follow-up. Mm. It was at Adelaide, what, a year ago? November? So long ago. It's re- I crazy. feel like this film has always been part of my life. When yeah. was there a time before The Nightingale? I don't know. As cinephiles in Melbourne, it's just outrageous we've had to wait for what, six months. It, anyway, it's coming. I know. I know. Out- yeah. Isn't it average? Um, also, <laughs> Portrait of Lady on Oh, yes, so my number one film that I'm super excited to see. Okay, yes. how come, Andy? Tell well, me why. Well, I, I, I missed my chance to see it at Cannes. I queued for two and a half hours, couldn't get into the press screening. It was outraged. And then I was really, really hoping, along with all the other critics I chatted to and all the other queues I was in in Cannes, that it, it was going to finally be the second ever female director to win the Palme d'Or. And, but when it went to Parasite, we were like, oh, okay, sure, that's a good film. But also, mm, you missed a chance because this film just looks amazing. So it's essentially a queer love story about a noble woman who, and who and the relationship she has with a woman who's been commissioned to paint her portrait, which is purely designed to be painted so she can covet a, a, a suitors from a, a, a nearby city or town, I suppose, or whatever it would have been back in those days. Cool. Um, so it's essentially a weird period piece, queer love story. I don't know much more about it apart from everybody who's seen it has been like, this is fantastic. I love and so films edgy. where there's this weird, like, sinister kind of, like, power bequeathed upon a portrait. Yeah, that is, it so really good. serves the form beautifully. Yes. There's another film where there's a weird sinister power bequeathed upon a dress. Oh, yes, a there is. A red dress. This is Peter Strickland's new film. <laughs> Cracking segue there. Uh, what's the film called? In Fabric. In Fabric. This looks great. The mm. trailer is got me fully on board. Yeah. So the dress is possessed? Yeah. Possesses Basically, it's like this completely sort of Giallo-style horror trope of there being a possessed dress, which I don't think is a brand new concept, but it certainly seems to be extremely excitingly rendered in this film. Mm. Which stars um, the w- woman who was who won oh, who was nominated for best supporting actress for Secrets and Lies. Don't know. Can't remember her name now. I'm so sorry. Uh, but she looks fantastic. She's basically so. This whole film is essentially about a dress that is possessed and then ends up bringing trauma to the people who own it, and it passes through a bunch of different owners, including men who try it on for cool. bucks nights and stuff like that, and all sorts of strange things. But the number one thing with Peter Strickland is that you need to see his films in cinemas because the sound design is the first thing that he puts together before everything else. So uh, you cool. just have to, like, open your ears. So if anyone's ever seen any of his other films, like Catalina Varga, which also played at MIFF, I think, in 2010, or Barbarian Sound Studio... Um, Fucking hated Bavarian really? Studio so oh, much. No, I was um, totally on board with it. But slice up some more. Um, I know. I sh- maybe it was just because it was you know dealing with it too obviously in that regard. Mm. However, I loved the Duke Burgundy. Duke I thought that yeah. was yes. just like stunning. Which people right? can see streaming, I believe now. But also, oh. it's screening in the. Oh, it is. Yes, it's also um, yeah in a special focus. Um, I don't. Is I think Bavarian Sound Studio might be. It is. Yes, as well. it's also part of. But Duke of Burgundy, anyway, incredible. Yes. So there's a Strickland retro. Exactly. So okay. this is he's one of the special profiles we're getting at MIF this year. Is the work of Peter Strickland. Um, if anyone's familiar with the band Broadcast, they did the music mm. for Bavarian Sound Studio. Well, the one remaining member of them. <laughs> um, but also, he's programming films that have influenced him, which I think is oh, possibly cool. even yeah. more exciting. So yeah, if anyone's yeah. Um, Let has me flick the to that page. Time to see. Uh, we can get some um, shadows of real forgotten time ancestors. Exciting responses from Eloise. The cremator. 
That's amazing. Um, that's going to be great. Shadows of Our Forgotten Ancestors. Which I have seen Parajanov. and can thoroughly recommend. It's an amazing, amazing film. Just visually, cool. the, the weird mix of folk horror, ethnography, just sheer feeling of just you're in this total other world, this totally um, alien environment where there's like basically Romeo and Juliet but set in this very strange thing. If anyone's excited about Midsommar, this mm. forthcoming movie that isn't showing at MIF, Get on board with Shadows of Forgotten Ancestors because okay. it was there decades beforehand. Like it's just oh. so good. Incredible. Well, Can't I'm not that excited about Midsommar, but I will definitely get there for, for this version of. I'm always here for taking Ariasta down a peg. <laughs> Ooh, are you? <laughs> no, I'm, Spicy I'm, take. I'm just saying that to be provocative. <laughs> also, one of the other profilers we're getting uh, this year at MIF is Anishka Holland. Yeah. Eloise. So Who's Anishka Holland? She's a Polish filmmaker and she's still alive. She must be in her late 80s by now or maybe not quite. We had a little video old. message from her. Yes, we got a beautiful oh, little message from her. Oh, did we? Okay. I think she was sitting in her backyard. Okay. And she Does sings she look late 80s then? 70s? I could be. Okay, maybe 70s. She said, hello, Melbourne. Oh, cute. Anyway, I really love her stuff. She makes these, she kind of sometimes makes these big epics. Um, you can see they're screening uh, Europa Europa. Um, which is a film that maybe her most famous film, um, one of her most famous. I think she also directed The Secret Garden. Um, she went to America for a little while and kind of made a couple of American films. Um, so, you know, she does um, get out of the Polish um, milieu. But a couple of years ago she had a film like this. It was kind of an eco-terror melodrama film called Spore that I really love. Oh, yes, um, right. This, was this a myth? This was maybe two years ago at MIF. Right. Yeah. Um, but she's really incredible and I think that because films like Europa Europa get a lot of attention mm-hmm. that some of her other stuff maybe doesn't get quite so much, at least in the public kind of sphere. Um, and so this is a really exciting retro. They've got nine films um, screening from her. That's pretty comprehensive. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. impressed. Satan Tango. Yes. That screened at uh, Sydney. At the Astor Cinema, bring a cushion. Bring a cushion, indeed. So that will be great. I mean, if you want to give up, you know, you're you an eight hour block. Remind me. So it's eight hours. Yeah. Right. Eight hours. Okay. Wow. That's a commitment. There's a few marathon films. We Yes. We have also have Le Fleur, which I believe is another, is it eight hours? 14 hours, sorry. Um, pack a lunch and go and catch this ex- uh, extremely it in-depth is. look at the female form on cinema. What's well, screening in, cinema. in three different sections, um, three on one-off sessions okay. How kind. with built-in intermissions on the last three days of the festival. Oh, nice. I can't um, nice way to cap off the festival. I say that. I I always like, oh, let's cap off the festival with a long film. With a long sleep. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> uh, like yesterday when I, when I capped it off with the New York Public Library Ex Libris. Oh, Frederick Wiseman. Speaking of, there's a new Frederick Wiseman that I've been hanging out like I, over a year to see. Um, I can't believe there's a new Frederick Wiseman. Mon- he Mon- just won't stop. Monrovia, Indiana. Is he in his 90s yet? I think he's 91. So he's looking at his town, Monrovia, Indiana? Yes. And I'm so keen because a lot of what he does, well, you know, his recent stuff that we've seen at MIF has been either focused on institutions, right, within big cities. But this is clearly like he's taking his. Yeah, he's taking his little like micro look to a small, possibly isolated community. I don't know that much Mm. about Monrovia. But anyway, I'm keen. I'm I'm keen keen too. What's the running time on that? A pithy. 
143 mins. Oh, two hours. You can do Too it. easy. Anyone can manage that. If yeah. you want to spend some more time in a cinema watching one film, uh, Lav Diaz is back. Lav! With uh, The Holt, which is a sci-fi film. Hang yeah. on, that ultra-Philippine humanist Lav Diaz has gone sci-fi? Yeah, yet? and what? I haven't. I believe, I do love Lav Diaz, but the last couple of years I have chickened out of seeing his films. So I haven't seen... The, something for like maybe three years, but I think he's had something every year for the last little while. Yeah, and I think he did do some kind of maybe sci-fi or fantasy type of fiction narrative recently. Although I could be completely making that up, but I am keen to try and get this one in. And one of the reasons I'm keen is because it's screening with a short, sixteen-minute short called "Man in the Well." It's basically a sneeze for Lev. Directed by, uh, exactly, directed by um, Hugh Bohr. Um, oh, right. A tale of torment and survival created under the tutelage of Bella Tarr. Oh! <laughs> so. Sorry, no one can know Bella Tarr in 16 minutes. He's oh, so did he make this a Bella Tarr's film school? Yeah, oh, boy, possibly, yes, right. Yeah, okay. Where Tilda hung out for a little while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have I told you my Tilda it's can story? I think I did. Yes, yeah. you did. In you fact, saw her walk by. But also, speaking of Tilda and Miff, the Souvenir, Joanna Hogg's movie yes. is playing, with, which features Tilda and Tilda's daughter, mm-hmm. which looks very, very interesting. Um, this is a film about a film, female film student who has a crush and then develops into a romantic relationship with a much older man. They go to Europe, they come back. It's a story about that starts off being about the making of a film and then becomes more about a romantic drama. It's already won awards overseas and wow. it looks very interesting. I'm I definitely love gonna, a bit of film industry nepotism. I'm there. And I'm, I'm there for Hogg. I'm there for Hogg. Um we were talking just before we were talking about Tilda. We were talking Sorry. about Bellatar. Bellatar. I've never seen a Bellatar film and they're screening... Satan Tango. Satan Tango. Yeah. So I'm there. I'm going to say that. Yep. Take your question. Asta Cinema. Um, it's... it's oh, is it the Gaster? Asta. Oh, look at that reservation across <laughs> Anna's face. Oh, dear. Uh, Sorry, Zach, if you're listening. It would be fun to see that at the Asta. I I, well, yeah, yeah. And also, the number one film that we that they, they opened this evening with, which they're making the big fuss, is the Quentin Tarantino What's One Time in Hollywood movie. Yeah. Which they're showing from August 3rd, I believe. It doesn't open uh, until August 15th. And when it does open, it's opening at the Astor every day for, I think, 10 days after cool. after it opens. So you can so that safely can... skip this myth, really. I yeah, mean, unless, you um, really unless you really want to get ahead it. of the curve. And, you know, and Andy Hazel is one of your favourite films of the first half of 2019. I felt, yeah, people were applauding in, in You gave many reservations in your video, but you did. I do but find it enormously entertaining and well-made film. I really want to watch it. I'm excited. I'm going to watch yeah. it. I think I'll wait for Aftermath. I'm going to Sydney this weekend and I believe it's screening oh. in Sydney already. Go on, screening everywhere. this weekend, so mm. I might... Okay. Track it down. Right. I'd be very keen to see what you think of it. Mm, yeah. Along with, so what's screening on Sunday night? Sorry, we're um, detouring from Miff. But Her Smell is screening at Good um, at Golden Age Sydney mm-hmm. on Sunday night. I'm going to check it out. Elizabeth Moss is a, what, punk rocker or something? I think, <laughs> I yeah, think so. She's essentially Courtney Love. Yeah. So um, I'm keen for that. However, can we just, okay, so before I forget. Before we leave Her Smell, people oh, online okay. should try and track down a photo of Elizabeth Moss reading friend of the podcast, Anne Crawford's book about Holt's album, Live Oh, my this. God. What? Is, it, is it, that a, does that a, exist? It was a research text that the, the director commissioned <gasps> and asked yes. Elizabeth to read. For... For her smell. For her smell. It's such a great book. And oh, it is. that makes me so happy. I can't believe I'm only. Andy, you're burying the lead. <laughs> this should be everywhere. We're That's like so one exciting. degree of separation it's, from Elizabeth Moss. Well, right? yeah, I haven't seen the photo, but apparently it's out there somewhere. That's fantastic. It's a great book, by the way. Read that book if and you And shout out to Emma Crawford. Shout out to Emma Crawford. As always. 
fantastic book. Literally, I read it and I was like, my God, that's how you do criticism right there. <laughs> anyway, uh, I digress. Um, so I'm excited about the documentary. I'm not usually really big into the documentary section at Myth because, I don't know, I just love fiction and escapism and even when it's hard realism, I'm just into it more than documentary. Yeah. However, obviously, Frederick Wiseman is an exception as will may be this festival a film called one child nation about china's one child policy and how it's no longer a policy anymore um and just kind of looking into people who live through it or who have reflections on it after it has passed um anyway i'm a sinophile so i'm super keen to yes check and out. while we're on the subject of documentaries i'd also shout out to honeyland which won a bunch of awards at sundance mm. which no one who's seen it has got a bad word to say about it um, I think that would be certainly something worth putting on your radar given this huge uh, spread of films. So this is um, a look at the endangered tradition of Macedonian wild beekeeping and a tenacious woman who's keeping it alive. So it's essentially A tenacious woman. A tenacious woman, that's what the program tells me. So I believe it seems to take in a lot of big issues and put them in a beautifully cinematic form. Fantastic. I'm here for your face from Timely's director, Siming Liang. Uh who made the really cool VR film, The Deserted, last year. That was great VR, and yeah. I'm extremely anti-VR, but I did enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, well, this this is a series of um, close-ups of faces, all with a score by Ryuichi Sakamoto. Oh, Sakamoto. Sakamoto. Yeah. Great. So awesome. good. Who was the subject of that great documentary Coda. earlier this year, Coda. Mm. So, I don't know. I love yeah. that director. I love that um, idea. composer. I love the idea. Yeah. Um, Who doesn't love faces? And it, Yeah, just f- 13 expressive <laughs> faces all and training their gazes the at the camera. It screens with light, which uh, he shot in the same hall as your face, this time focusing on the building's light. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, cool. Okay. From faces to light. Uh there's another documentary that's playing about, um, which we saw a trailer for it in the announcement, about Duterte's war on drugs in the Philippines, which looks quite confronting on the president's orders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's screening. Um, also, they've got the world... Okay, what do you think about this? They've got a, si- a documentary sidebar, The World Online, which is all about The World Online. Right. Thoughts, okay. feelings, sure, anything. Um, I believe there's a documentary there about um, the history of emojis. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, look, this know. stuff ages really quickly, I feel. It does, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. I mean, hats off to the people who are going to spend the time to interrogate it, which is great because it probably makes a great PhD. But also. I mean, yeah, that's true. Those things are interesting because they are great for research and for understanding the way the world works. And it doesn't, to me, seem like something that should just be consumed, like on this popular kind of level. And mm. then you like have a cursory understanding of what maybe, you know, the digital or online world means and then we move on. So who knows? It can be a bit ephemeral. I just want to um, do a shout out to this film Present Perfect, which is streaming in, screening in that stream. It was at Sydney. Um, It basically is made up entirely of live streaming footage from Chinese uh, citizens, ah, yes, right, yes. and it's all Sounds just great. yeah, it's just like a montage of live streaming. Wow! Footage. Uh, apparently, over four hundred million people in China uh, regularly share everyday moments um, from their studios, homes, offices, classrooms. This is what the blurb's telling me. 
Uh, then the government shut it all down. So there you go. That sounds right. very interesting. Okay. Um, Much more interesting than the emoji doco. Yes. Um, back to the program. Another feature that uh, Al seemed very proud of when he was announcing the program was a Jeff Goldblum marathon, which is taking place uh, much in the way that the um, Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Cage, Cage did. Yes, last year. Mm. Um, although, one, looking through the films that are on show, you might ask, how much Goldblum am I getting for my investment? I mean, who doesn't appreciate Jeff Goldblum's contribution to cinema? It's colossal. It's long. It spans decades. The man seems to be pretty much timeless. Goes down. Um, I certainly hope I so. Love I, mean, I love that film. I love that When you think of his debut in what um, page is it on? Is that a good Colkin? in Robert Altman? Yes, Kieran. Kieran, who's great in HBO Succession, which he should watch. Yeah, because I mean, like, what he's contrib- he first appears in Nashville, Robert Altman's movie, riding around on a massive motorbike. Yeah, yes. doing magic tricks and no lines. Great right? no lines. No, but you got you got Goblin. They should screen Nashville. They should. I would watch. That is one of my all-time favorite films. Same. Yeah, great. Margaret Pomerantz, if you're Margaret Pomerantz, it's a favourite film. We are on board. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, there, if you are a fan of Jeff Goblin and you have patience, um, and you may want to, you know, s- smoke some doobies so beforehand, Jeff probably would himself. We're getting four Ragnarok. Yeah, okay. Uh, vibes. Um, op- uh, opposite Cindy Lauper. Uh, the Tall Guy, written by Richard Curtis. The Fly. Yeah. Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, Earth Girls Are Easy, in which Goldblum stars as a blue alien, opposite their wife Gina Davis and Independence Day. What a combination of people, Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum. I follow him on Instagram. He has a great dog. Does he? Yeah. Hang on, can we compare it to the Babs cloned dogs? Oh, well, that's... There's <laughs> it's a lot no bigger. Comparison. It's a lot no comparison. No comparison, L-O, and L-O is the final word on this subject. So uh, <laughs> she is. I just want to do a quick shout-out to a film that Joanna DiMattia, friend of the podcast, has screamed at me to talk about. It's um, Sunset, the which won the Fapresky Prize at This Venice. is what I was going to scream about. Did Hello, she tell you to scream about it? about it? I'm so into. I've been. I feel like I've been waiting almost a year to see this. Yeah, she the said that it's kind of disappeared, and now it's finally. Well, back. I don't know if it disappeared, but it just maybe it's never got a release. It yeah. screened at no, I don't know, Venice. What is Sunset? It's directed by Laszlo Nemes or Nemes, who the, made who made Son, Son of Saul, right. which we will love. A couple of years ago, did you love it? Yeah, so it's, I really yeah, it's it. that film that is set in a concentration camp during the Holocaust, and it's very kind of was very notable for being almost exclusively point of view, not point of view. Like what really focused on focused one on his character. one character's face, and so he's looking. You didn't see what he looked at, but you just saw his face mostly for this almost the entire film. And if it had been done poorly, it, w- it would be kind of a disaster. But it was just so tense, and this guy's face was so interesting. You couldn't really understand his desperation, but you could see it existing and like manifesting. Anyway, was like blew me away this film, and I'm so keen for Sunset. I don't even know what it's about, but for me, those kinds of things don't really matter when it comes to kind of returning to someone's work. Can you tell us what it's about, Anders? Yeah, so it's set in 1913 while Budapest feverishly prepares to receive the Habsburg royals, 20 year old. Iris Leiter senses dark undercurrents beneath the glamour. That's in the diary. That's yeah, and that's called I'm, sunset. I'm there. It's screening at Smoker. Smoker. Okay, better get used to it. <laughs> um, I'll try to I'll try to get used so. To it. Other guests of Myth include Thurston Moore, who is providing a live score to the films of Maya Duran. 
I asked Andy if he wanted to go with me because of my idea and not Thurston Moore. And mm. what did you say, Andy? Well, okay, so a <clears throat> bit of backstory. So I'm a massive long-time Sonic Youth fan, always have been. Always Thurston was my hero for a long time. I contemplated buying his signature guitar. And then um, through a series of events that I'll never really know and none of us will never really know the backstory of, he decided to break up Sonic Youth and go off with a much younger woman he dumped king gordon which i believe is pretty much unforgivable sin in the world of pop culture i've certainly am struggling to forgive him so the fact that he's chosen been chosen to provide the soundtrack to the films of maya duran where i can literally think of at least 20 people um like the hacks and cloak one i go with julia halter one i go with i yamamoto there's like literally dozens and dozens of people who you could reach out to before thurston moore to provide the live score to a bunch of fantastic experimental films by somebody as pivotal as my dear Anne. Anyway, here he is doing his in conversations. I mean, that's interesting All because... All six foot six of Thurston. It, this tall. is part of the... I wonder, you know, the separate the art from the artist thing and the like, mm. you know, cancel culture is... Uh, yeah, he's I not... I mean, this is separate from that, right? Because what he did was not, I we guess, don't like know. universally we awful, we... right? But just if you, like, why would you... the greatest couple in rock Gordon? history. Yeah. They've been together since, what, 1981? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's an interesting... Thing, but I mean, if you think that there are other musicians who could have done a better job, and of With, course, there are, I don't know about better, but better, would have been much better choices mm. in my books and cheaper choices, too. <laughs> I imagine, anyway. So, to put, putting that aside, it's probably going to be a fantastic event. I'm not going to dissuade anybody from seeing Thurston Moore do his live score to the films of Mandarin. So, are you still going to take me, or are you going to be too angry about it? I might just, I just don't know if I can switch that part of my brain <laughs> off when okay. I think about all the amazing things they did together, anyway. <clears throat> well, there you go. People change, times change. Fun fact, my film studies honours supervisor named his child Maya after Maya Darren. Really? <laughs> Good call. Man, I'm go- I thought you were going to say Thurston. For yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why um, are you saying this, Anders? Stop it, stop um, it. Other guests include uh, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, who have been touring the country talking about their own music and playing examples of their music Amazing. in other places, and they're bringing it to myth. There's a William Friedkin documentary, which was kind of cool. Uh, a very lengthy Watergate doco. Yes, <laughs> this stuck out to me as Watergate. well. <laughs> yes, if anyone's interested, it's there. Oh, speaking of documentaries, the Showgirls documentary. There yes. is an attempt to rehabilitate Showgirls, which has been going on for a while. You you don't know me? You don't know you me. You don't know me. It's you know me as in the name And it comes with all the adult warnings you would expect of a film that's interrogated Aren't there two recent Showgirls docos and this is only one of them? Oh. You're probably right. I feel like that might be the case. However, intriguing. Mm, um, uh, nobody's mentioned the Wild Goose Lake Chinese movie by uh, Dai Yinan, who did uh, Black Coal Thin Ice. Circled it. I'm, turned up at MIFF yeah. 2014. And this was, I believe, Andy listed it in a top three of I did. like neo noirs or something, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, Black Coal Thin Ice. You're absolutely mm. right. I did. Yes, it's an amazing film. Um, this is a film I queued up two, no, no, sorry, 90 minutes to see at Cannes and couldn't get in. Okay. But I'm extremely excited to go and see and it because everybody who saw it recommended it. Begun's Be Long Day's Journey Into Night, yes. which we're all excited for and have been yeah, waiting 100%. Twitter forever. is a lot. Shout where, out to all Twitter the, is a lot. Where is it screening? To a light. Um, it's screening at Supernormal as part of a five-course degustation. <laughs> it's true. We're not even joking. We're not <laughs> we're even not joking. Even joking. I, it may not be So are they no, not doing but the no, three doing, There's two two separate screenings which don't involve food and one which heartily involves food. Uh, so are they and doing the 3D element or not? Good question. Do, that is not specified, I don't believe. Okay. Where um, was the venue? Smoker? <laughs> Long. It's um, Hoyt's. Oh, fantastic. Both at Hoyt's. Okay. So it could... It could be for a day. Yeah. We fingers crossed. Um, okay. I'd, speaking of... A, well, we won't speak of them uh, at all, but let's turn to Australian films. Um, <laughs> High time. The Centrepiece Gala 
Little Monsters, Abe Forsyth's new film, starring Lupita Nyong'o as a zombie-slaying kindergarten teacher. That sounds kind of cool. Haven't There's a few different before. screenings, so you don't have to pay your $77 to see it at the Centipede's <laughs> Gala. You can see it in a regular session too. Uh, I'm very excited about that. There's also this great-looking film with... Um, Tyrion Mora, who I love. Oh, I um, like Tyrion Mora too. In the blue, set in the Blue Mountains, it looks quite sort of meditative. Mm. The film is called Smoke Between Trees. They're billing it as a sensitive and emotionally rich story of a broken man. Just from the shots that I've seen, it looks quite well, nicely judged. Mia Vosikowska is in... Judy and Punch. Mira Falk's film, which has been widely claimed, was submitted at Sundance. And it seems to have at least, at the very, very least, at the little we can tell about it now, a fantastic array of costumes and production design. There's been a lot of people getting excited about this film. The fact that Mia would come all the way to Australia to make a movie of any sort, I think, is worth, makes this film worthy of looking into more. Um, I can't speak for its quality, but it certainly does seem to be standing out and amongst the Australian contingent. Other Australian films I came for are Slam, the new film from Parfait Gulto, who made the quite um, lyrical film Sunrise a couple of years ago. So I'm keen to see that. Uh, and then Sequin in a Blue Room, which is... Oh, good title. I know. Well, it's about a 16-year-old boy called Sequin, uh, hence the name, who is exploring his burgeoning sexuality from an obsession with anonymous no-string sexual encounters. Right, okay. There you go. Uh, Hook-up apps, all that kind of stuff. So that, okay. that has played at a couple of the queer film festivals. Right, okay. One film that is playing as part of the Australian section is a film I've, I saw as my, in my job as programmer, which is Kairos, which is a film by Paul Barakat. And it stars a guy called Chris Bunton who plays a guy who has a Down syndrome who really, really wants to become a boxer. And he, enabled, he gets this guy to train him and accidentally locks that guy out. And then the sec- subsequent cover-up of this event, because its impact would impact would change his life greatly, becomes the centerpiece for a sort of a sprawling family drama, which I found really really striking. As soon as I saw this, I thought there's absolutely no question this is going to feature in the in Min Myth because it's really so beautifully put together. Uh, the story is really economically told. The performances are great. The mood overall is the thing that really stood out for me. So this is the directorial debut of Paul Barakat, and it's a sort of a a coming-of-age story that shows you sides of Sydney you probably haven't seen before as well in cinema, which I always really like seeing. Cool. That's called Kairos. So is there anything else that we think is maybe, you know, a hidden gem? Yes. There's one other thing that I saw um, in my job as programmer because there was a few, like four or five films that I was really, 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 really hoping to see and make the program and three of them did, which I think is probably a pretty good ratio Mm. given that I've watched 80. One of these others is called House of Hummingbird, which I think at the moment is like my third favourite film of 2019 so far, which is a coming-of-age story in South Korea by a first-time filmmaker. You might remember me talking about it last episode. I do. Yes. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, this is – now people do have the chance to see this. Um, Cool. I can't recommend it enough. Um, It's really just so – Beautifully told, empathetic. Again, you're seeing parts of the world you don't usually get to see, which is like uh, South Korea that isn't, you know, glittery and shiny like it, you might have seen it in Black Panther or something like that. You guys. Um, yeah, really, really good. Can I interrupt? Of course. Sorry. This is one of my – oh, so Amazing Grace is screening. Documentary about Aretha Franklin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Yeah. High time. Fuck yeah. See it. And this film, uh, Marianne and Leonard, Words of Love, a documentary obviously about – Leonard Cohen and 
the Marianne of the titular um, the star. The titular Marianne. So long, Marianne. And I know that they – I've read it f- like a few articles and stories about their relationship and her impact on his life. Yeah. And anyway, this, this should be fascinating. I'll probably – I don't see many of the music docos, but I will – Probably see that one and cry a lot. Same, because I'm bloody lovely. Yeah, speaking of music docos, I've already seen the Bross film, um, which is called After the After the Screaming Stops. Extremely entertaining. If anybody's a fan of uh, Spinal Tap, there is a lot of <laughs> a surprising amount of crossover in the real life case of Bross getting back together to play Wembley. It's just a litany. So of they're this polarity. boy band from 1990. Yeah, When Will I Be Famous? Drop the boy. Cat amongst the pigeons. Sure. Do we any of these mean things? Does this mean anything to you, or are you too young? I yes, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. When will I will I be famous? That's all. Yeah, um, that's the one. Okay, uh, <laughs> great. But uh, so I've seen clips from this circulating around online. It seems like it's a sketch comedy. You'd think, like a Christopher Guest think, style. You'd think they were taking the piss out of. There but was they're a, not. It's not. They're just straight There's talking. No they literally will turn to the camera and say things like, "Rome wasn't built in a day," but we haven't got that much time. It's. This sort of stuff I mean it's just bizarre I reckon Look there's always I call it every year There's going to be A tickled There's going to be A three brothers Grim or whatever That movie was Oh yeah There's always a Breakout documentary I reckon that's going to be The breakout documentary This Mm. year Call it yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's already played to great response in the UK. Um, amazingly, we haven't mentioned the Beach Bomb, Harmony Corrine's movie. Sorry, Harmony Corrine? Harmony Corrine? Corrine, Corrine, yep. Corrine yeah. With Matthew McConaughey, um, which is like if anybody's seen his work before, you probably know what you're in store for. It's going to be about people carrying guns and smoking bongs and his film stars Zac Efron, Snoop Dogg, Martin Lawrence, Isla Fisher and Jimmy Buffett. Cool. Possibly worthy of investigation on that alone. Also, Britney Runs a Marathon looks very, very interesting as well. That's a, f- a body positive comedy um, about an underachiever who's clubbing um, that's directed by Paul Downs Colesio. Also, I kind of feel pain to say this, but there's a movie called Skin about a far-right extremist with tattoos all over his face who is actually Jamie Bell, and I don't know if I can <laughs> do Whoa. it because he's so beautiful, a.k.a. he's my boyfriend and... Will it just yeah, be too sad? Us. When's the wedding? Well, he's already married, so I'm just... Um, Keep that on the download. Yeah. Sure. Jamie Bell in Chum Scrubber, this movie no one's ever seen. <laughs> I've it, seen it. Thank you, Eloise. He was so hot. In, I, was, I had a massive <laughs> when he was in that movie. A thousand years ago. Anyway, um, interesting. Okay, interesting. Uh, um, also, one other film that stood out to me at Cannes, which is screening here, is Pepe Bianco's movie Share, which is about a 16-year-old who blacks out drunk at a party and awakens to a phone filled with notifications about a scandal uh, that uh, leads to viral video footage. This is a fantastic film about social media and young people. I mean, much in the vein of eighth grade, I suppose mm. it really stands out to me as just being full of empathy and just honestly telling this story and just letting things naturally escalate. So there's no, never feels melodramatic at any point. It's just, and she's got such a great eye as well. I really feel Pippa Bianco was on a bunch of panels at Cannes as well because clearly people were like, this is a woman who's going places and this is her debut feature. And that's called Share. I definitely recommend Share. That. That's S H A R E, not C H E R. I will go see that. There's a, look, we've got more missed Star Wars in this program. You've got the latest from Hong Sang Soo. Oh, yes, Hong Sang Soo. Yes. Hotel by the River. Denny Cotte, my favourite Quebecois filmmaker who uh. I only ever remember exists <laughs> every <laughs> myth. After, after Xavier Dolan. After, yeah, sorry, second, second favourite. 
Quebecois filmmaker. A uh, third, no, Guy Madden's not Quebecois. Uh, anyway, he's got some new film, which is a ghost story, filmed on like Super Sixteen or something, which looks kind of cool. Cool, it's cool. Speaking of um, Super Sixteen-ish kind of things, let's talk about films that didn't make it. So there are some notable omissions, I think, here. Um, the Lighthouse is what I was particularly leading to. Isn't, uh, I was very surprised that it's not here. The Climb is a film that really stood out to me at Cannes, which is a like a, a buddy comedy, but it's also very, very modern in the way it looks at male relationships and male-to-female relationships as well. I thought that was almost a dead set because that won um, in certain regard. The Lighthouse. Yes. Anyway, right. it, I'll see it eventually somehow. <laughs> I'm sure it will come out. I'm sure there's a very good reason It must reason have a distribution you know, arrangement because it's such a big film or something. Surely. Hopefully, yes. Okay, well, don't forget to write to us or message us or t- contact us on Twitter if you're interested in a double pass to Apollo 11, which oh is God, a very yes. exciting looking documentary that may well be up for Best Documentary Oscar. I'm it's just going to quickly remind everyone there's an Abel Ferrara film. Oh, yes, With Willem Dafoe. Yes. Playing Abel Ferrara. Tommaso, I believe it's called. Tommaso, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Um, yeah, so please can contact with us if you're interested in seeing a very, very tense and very well-scored documentary made up com- comprising completely of archival footage of Apollo 11. Um, otherwise, get in touch with us and let us know what you missed out or if there's anything that you want to know more information about or if there are any titles that you would like us to repeat that we didn't mention enough times. Yeah, and we'll see you at MIF. And we'll see you at MIF. Thank you very much for listening. Um, find us. We're at The Cold Cat Pod. I'm Andy Ricky. I'm at Eloise Lowe Ross. And I'm at Anders Furs. And we We think think you're you're great. great.